morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. You are in studio with your favorite theological combo this side of eternity, Justin Rumley and Tom Schleck, and it is my pleasure and privilege to welcome you to Anchored. If you are new to the show, Anchored is a new ministry of Peoria Christian School where we gather the PCS Bible team in order to provide biblical commentary and the different claims of the culture. The tide of culture ever changes, but the Word of God does not. And as Christian families in the local Christian church, we must remain anchored in God's Word. Well, let's dive right into the conversation this morning, and I want to briefly allow Tom to provide us a little bit of summary on where we've gotten thus far on the topic of identity. So last time, Justin, when we met, we talked about um, some of the foundations of identity, understanding that it's focused on image-bearing. And then we talked a bit about some of the factors of identity, some of the elements of identity, things like histories, boundaries, commitments, and so on. And then we ventured into some areas like uh, executive self and summoning self. And so all of that to try to understand uh, who we are, who God is, uh, and uh, from that, just grow our walks with Christ. Absolutely. And I, I recall during the conversation, just reflecting on our words just really led to a time of uh, realizing that even in my own life, where I feel I have a pretty good grasp on my identity, that there is so much uh, I had yet to really focus on. And Tom, you really brought that to light, and I appreciate it. And I just want to remind our listeners, too, one of the major aspects we're focusing on is that younger and younger, we we recognize that identity is more important. And sometimes we think this is a topic that needs to uh, wait until high school years or until college years. And I think Tom would agree we're, we're really missing the ball there certainly, if we wait certainly. that long. Because, Tom, you said what age? Well, eight or nine, uh, from what I read in, in Barna's uh, book on uh, transforming your children into spiritual champions. And uh, certainly I've seen that both with my children and my grandchildren reflected in reality as we're rearing our kids. We realize that so many things are shaped by uh, very early ages, eight, nine years old, and they have more, some morality in place. They have self-understanding in place. And so you uh, can't wait until high school. It, it's too late. <laughs> so uh, you want to begin very, very early. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm so glad here at PCS we have a stellar elementary team. And in fact, we're going to have them on future episodes to give some insight from their area of influence as to what staying anchored in God's word truly means. But with that, let's really focus in on uh, what we're going to dive into today. So we're we're talking identity. We're coming off an episode where we discussed that uh, all different aspects of our life shape of our identity could be our history, could be our genetics, could be our relationship, uh, obviously with each other and with God and the spiritual aspect and finances and geography. All these different aspects can affect our identity. But I think we really need to uh, focus on the simplicity of what God's word has to say. So, Tom, I want to allow you to begin this conversation uh, as we focus on God's Word in regards to identity. Well, if you remember last time, uh, Justin, we talked about image-bearing. And, uh, of course, those ideas are taken, at least in the early stages, uh, from Genesis uh, 1 to 3. And I think we need to understand that what pe- people believe about themselves will dis- determine the shape of their life. And God designed human beings um, to operate out of an established self-conception. And so that starts in Genesis 1 to 3. So in those passages, uh, we find a a starting point that um, is really giving us uh, the basis for all of our other discussions. So one way or the other, all of the additional biblical texts on identity have to be interpreted consistently with that foundational set of passages in uh, Genesis 1 to 3. And so the foundation is image-bearing, and that's where we need to start. I, I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I think 
Genesis 1 through 3, and this is maybe a topic for another conversation, can be (laughs) some of the most disputed aspects of Scripture. And I think as a culture, it seems Genesis 1 through 3 has lost its influence, at least in in a, a more literal sense. And unfortunately, in many churches, it's losing its way as well. And uh, so I'm glad we're focusing here on the very beginning of, of Genesis and of all of Scripture. In fact, when we turn to the New Testament, uh, Jesus and the apostles pull from Genesis 1 through 3 exactly. quite a yes. bit because they recognize the value and importance of these texts. And so um, I guess here, I'll, I'll start with a section of scripture here, and then uh, we'll talk about it. And then, um, Tom, I'll let you maybe pull out some specific scripture sure. uh, in which we can discuss. So, you know what, Tom, I just want to start here in Genesis 1, chapter 1, and uh, we'll start here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so much can be said. I think so many books, so many commentaries, so many sermons have been preached and and written on this uh, very first sentence of scripture, but just how important is it do we recognize that in the beginning, God? Well, you recognize that in that passage, it very clearly stated that God created everything, including mankind. And so um, when, when you understand that God is the source, and that's what Romans eleven thirty six 36 uh, through, I think it's 12, 27, all of that is based on the idea that God is the executive self giver. <laughs> that executive self is leaning on upon what Genesis has to say about what we're created to be. And so uh, realizing that God is the creator of all things, including mankind, is uh, very important to understanding our own identity. And it's so easy to say, you know, I, I, I can say it out loud, but, but do I really live under the reality that I have a creator and I'm not the creator. It's so easy to read this and say, yes, in the beginning, God, it's easy. It's straightforward. We all get it. And then I live my life as if I'm God, right? It's so, <laughs> and, and you know, it, it, we, I think if we all do that honest self-analysis on Sunday mornings, we all will chime in in, in uh, holy agreement. Yes, God is a creator. In fact, he's the creator, and then when we make a plurality of other decisions, we, in a sense, leave God out of, of our, our conversations and our discussions. So when, as you pointed out, and as the scripture states, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And throughout the rest of Genesis 1 through 3, we find that's everything, including us, just starting with the basic identity that we are creatures of God and not the creator speaks volumes as a foundation for discovering what identity we truly have. Well, and what you're describing is also described in Genesis because here is Adam and Eve and uh, things are going well for them. And then Satan enters the scene and he pushes them into a path of idolatry. They did it, of course, of their own free will, but we find that it's where Satan is counterfeiting the identity that they're supposed to have. And so here is mankind now manifesting an idol, and scripture calls it idolatry so many different places, but uh, this idolatry of saying, I'm in control of things. I am the God. I create my own identity. And and so um, that's described also in the passage. And so it's, a I think, a wake-up call to realize that those kinds of summonings are the things that the enemy uses to try to pull us away from the God-given identity. Right. And this, you got my mind going now, Tom, that if we even remember what was Satan's original uh, sin, we'll say original downfall. And I think any uh, faithful student of the Bible recognized Satan struggled with pride. Mm-hmm. Right. Satan wanted to be more than a creation. So it's an identity issue. <laughs> right. He <laughs> an had identity an identity issue. crisis. And exactly. so do we. So we shouldn't be surprised when yeah. the adversary pulls on those identity strings. 
And it may seem uh, simple at first. It may seem almost, you know, what's the big deal? It's just a little bit of an identity difference. Really turns out to be so much more. Well, when you look at the Genesis account, God has given mankind um, value and dignity because we're created the image of God. And then we don't accept that and we turn away from that and we try to gain value and dignity by our own uh, actions. And and so as we look at Scripture, it clearly lays out uh, the perils that are there when we do that. And as Christians, we dare not ignore the fact that we're creating the image of God for a purpose. And that includes, as the passage goes on, both reflecting and representing who God is. Yeah. In fact, let's read that passage just briefly here. I know you preemptively exegeted it for us, but let's read it and then maybe we can walk through it in a little more detail. So Genesis chapter 1, we'll begin here in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And let me add verse 28 here as well. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, Tom, you briefly uh, talked a little bit to the meaning of this text here. And frankly, I think there's so much depth here, it's uh, quite impossible to fully grasp it in the mere uh, few minutes we have. But can you at least begin with us to walk through uh, all that's involved with identity just in these few verses? There's so many volumes written on what that means that uh, it's certainly a lot to draw from. But uh, in, in my reading, I've drawn a number of basic truths. I find that this idea of reflecting and representing includes the fact that we're created as spiritual beings, uh, we're personal beings, uh, we're moral beings, we're relational beings, uh, we're rational beings, emotional beings, and creative beings. And so all of this, you see stewardship in that passage and responsibility. And so God created us in such a way that we have opportunity to reflect who he is, both in our being and in our action. And I think Christians sometimes miss that understanding. Um, you know, we speak often of the concept of glorifying God, and uh, we, I think, lean heavy to the idea of uh, speaking about his name in a renowned type of way where we want to verbally give praise and honor, and that is part of glorifying God. But the essence of the concept of glorifying God is this idea of having a weightiness to it, that our lives are weighty enough to um, reflect who God is because um, as we're striving to be holy, we want to be holy because he is holy. And by being holy, we reflect who he is. And so this idea of glorifying God is tied to image bearing. We were created for that. And that has, opportunity has been restored through the redemptive work of Christ. And so as you work through the New Testament, you see this massive fixer upper project that God is working in our lives that we call sanctification. If I can add something to that, because I feel like you covered it pretty sufficiently. In fact, in class, we we went over the idea um, in, a, in our series on, on foundations, the idea of what it truly means to be image bearers of God. And I recall in part of my research for that, that uh, in the ancient world, when kings would demonstrate that they rule over an area, they would set up statues, they would set up images mm -hmm. of themselves throughout the empire to demonstrate even though the king may be in the capital city that he still rules over even the small villages on the edges of the empire and i can't uh, help but see uh, similarities here if not an intentional 
connection to the idea that God and, of course, with the New Testament revelation, we recognize Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is supreme over all uh, the universe as the creator God, and that we as his images go out into his creation, which is his kingdom. And even though King Jesus is at the right hand of God, or in this case, when he created us, that he uh, kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? And had to separate to a degree there that we are to go on, as you said, represent God, be his images, go to the ends of the earth, proclaiming and living out, co-creating, representing uh, the reality that we aren't the creator, but we are the image of the one who is the king of kings over all the universe. Well, a couple of things to clarify too, as I'm thinking about it. Um, number one, we have to understand that all mankind has this capacity that we are all image bearers and and that dignity and value applies to all mankind and hence it gives us our moral position on many of the moral issues of our day. And uh, so that's important to remember that it doesn't mean that just saved people are image bearers. Uh, but the difference that Christ makes is uh, very important to understand because Satan began a construction of a rival identity um, in Genesis 3-4. And that echoes in every single human soul, this rival identity. And instead of saying something like, I'm a dependent being using my capacities to rule God's world for his purposes, uh, that's the way God designed it. Now it's, I'm an independent being using my capacities to rule my world for my own purposes. And so that's how the world functions. So pride hijacked the human heart and the fall affects man's identity in a number of ways. And, and as we have to deal with that, sanctification is a vital important doctrine to understand because that's how we become more like Christ. So intriguing that just the change of a few words there suddenly has a paradigm shift in one's identity from viewing oneself as a dependent or contingent being on a creator God with a given purpose, identity, etc., to suddenly being an autonomous mm. being, right, where right. you are the arbiter of everything in your life. Once again, it seems almost initially or on paper like a small shift. Oh, it's just a few words there, Tom. <laughs> right, but and you're shaking your head because it's you an recognize essential shift. <laughs> there is so much yeah. there, and and you mentioned because uh, I think this is some somewhere I want to sit here just for a minute. You mentioned Genesis three, uh, four, uh, and and I, I'm guessing you, you talked about how Satan challenged or set up a rival identity. Mm -hmm. um, could you just spend a brief moment? Uh, describe a little bit more to me what that rival identity was. Well, what you see happening in that passage is uh, the break in the relationship between man and God. And God became a threat and man dislikes him. Uh, that's very evident in our culture. And so that takes place in the passage. You also see a distortion of the image of God that man bears. And so we become unlike God in our actions. And the moral likeness between God and man is now distorted and man is guilty. Um, third, um, we also find that it affected all of creation. So it's not just mankind that's affected by the fall, but the whole of creation groans under the abnormality of a world that's infected by sin and death. And so all of that's in that passage, and it is cataclysmic. <laughs> to, to say the least, reflected again in Romans, where it says all creation groans. And uh, it, it just really is convicting to, to think that, once again, our sin uh, essentially impacted the entirety of creation so man's first attempt at a manufactured identity ended up as this. Yeah. 
And so when I look at that, it's a battle of image bearers versus the image makers of our time. And that's what's going on. We've got a battle where we have all of these influences, even on Christians. And our culture has conjured up a basis for identity that expects us to look within ourselves, to understand ourselves. And uh, the world uh, around us is so confusing sometimes to the Christian. And we have to go to a transcendent point of reference. We have to go to understanding who God is, something truly beyond our own understanding of our identity. Um, and when we start to go inward, we shrink. Um, we get all uh, gnarly and nasty because when you look at uh, what we have as a fallen nature to start with, uh, it can only take the imputed righteousness of Christ to clean that up as a starting point. And then we begin to add um, our submission and obedience to God as we strive to please him by our moral decisions and our living. And, and I think this is why, too, I emphasize from the very beginning that starting with that first sentence, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created. Uh, just those few words really set uh, the foundation for everything else. If we take those words out of the foundation of our worldview, suddenly uh, it's basically in the beginning us, right? We, we are the highest sentient being. We have the authority. So therefore we can self-define and we should self-define. And unfortunately, I see our culture embracing that in so many different ways. Yes. Right? And, and I think that as we teach worldview at Peoria Christian and as we teach it at all of the levels, um, K through 12, we have to understand how important, how essential it is to reclaim the biblical worldview of what it means to be an image bearer, because we want to prepare young men and women to be thoughtful, winsome leaders in their schools and communities for Christ. And so this understanding of who they are will shape um, all of their relationships, um, all of their boundaries, all of their commitments, all those elements that I gave you. And so that's why it's essential to have this a, a really huge part of our worldview instruction, the anthropology section, is who is man. And, and that's important from K to 12. And once again, even starting with your grandkids at age eight and nine, mm -hmm. uh, teaching them to look towards God for their identity, teaching them to not necessarily look within themselves for all the answers, but look toward that transcendent, all-wise creator, God. And, and just once again, to bring some application to the modern world. Once again, this is something where I know most of us listening can nod and say, yes, amen. You know, I don't have an issue with this. Others do. And I just want to challenge you to take a minute to pause and self-reflect and think, you know, this morning when you walked out the door, were you thinking, you know, what does God have in store for me today? How can I serve God today? How can I uh, be that image of God? Or, or was your mind focused on other things? In my own prayer life, I find oftentimes I'm asking God to, in a sense, serve my will, <laughs> to, to, to give things to me that promote what I have decided is my own will for my life. And, and sometimes it's, it's not like I'm in, per se intentionally thinking I want to be, you know, uh, disobedient to, to, to Genesis 1 through 3, but it's so easy to just slowly drift into more of that rival identity, even within the church. Tom, do you do you, do you disagree? Do you No, agree? not at all. I, I know that as we start to work through this idea of image-bearing and identity, um, that we really have to have this basic understanding of the story that's involved. Uh, so God has given us components um, of a constructed identity, or a given identity, excuse me, a given identity that we have to start with. Number one, people were created which is your Genesis passage, but have fallen, which is your Genesis passage, yet may be redeemed, Genesis 3.15, the starting point, and 
we're awaiting a new creation. And so we see that entire story laid out in Genesis and through the rest of the scriptures that uh, that's this, really the whole identity story, that we have this opportunity now to have ourselves uh, reconstructed so that we become more and more like Christ. And of course, Christ, the incarnation, is the purest uh, uh, reflection of who God is. And uh, so as we look at that, we know that Jesus is God. You can't get any better than that. And so as we, we think about it in Christ-likeness that we sometimes talk, I think maybe... Uh, not carelessly, but not really in an unthinking way. What does it mean to be like Christ? And as we ask that question, it's going to demand some key things. And a, a key passage that helped me understand identity was a, a intense study on Romans, and especially focusing in on Romans 11 and 12. You know, with all the doctrine that's laid out in Romans 1 to 11, there's a, a huge foundation of doctrinal understanding that's all about salvation. But now that I'm saved, I realize that starting with the imputed righteousness of Christ, I have all of this opportunity to be shaped like Christ. And uh, when I get to 12, 9 to, uh, I think it's uh, verse 27, you find uh, probably the strongest passage on the Christian in community that I've seen in all of Scripture. Many passages talk about it, but Romans is really solid on that, understanding what does it mean as we interact. Because as God created us as image bearers, he created us essentially needing community. And so that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> well, I appreciate your focus on on the identity issue because even reading through the book of Romans, yes, we need to value that the, the doctrine and soteriology and all of this, but just looking at it through the lens of identity suddenly brings a new sense of, of joy, uh, I think, to, to myself and hopefully to the listener. Because when you understand the biblical concept of identity, when you recognize the radical difference of identity we have going from, you know, Adam and Eve being creations of God where God walked with them in the garden, and then suddenly the fall and sin where God had to kick them out of the garden and the just how all creation, the curses, all of this fundamentally changed. Seemingly the identity of humanity and creation itself, where now we struggle in this fallen state. And then, of course, we know throughout Scripture, you know, the, the flood of Noah, then the promises of Abraham, and of course the Mosaic Law, and all of this ultimately leading to, to Christ and this redemptive identity where we go from, if my mind goes to Romans 5, where we were enemies of God. Mm. And praise the Lord, he didn't wait for us to become friends of God for him to die for us, but he chose the right time and going from enemies of God to children of God, right? Going from sinner condemned to justly a place called hell to then suddenly a reconciled Christ-like being sanctified child of God. That is a radical shift in identity. And I think it affects how we live our lives if we grasp what the Bible has to say on identity. And it affects our understanding of one another. And so as we're, we're processing these ideas about what Scripture has to say about who we are, I've learned to look at the Bible as um, being an awful lot about identity. And so as I read it, I, I have a, a set of lenses, certainly worldview lenses that I'm looking for and interpretive lenses, but a, a key portion of that is how much it speaks to who I'm supposed to be. Um, and that's supposed to be is not just frivolous or anything like that. It's very deliberate because it's a reflective opportunity. And so I find in scripture that basic relationships that I have. So, uh, starting with a child's relationship to a, a parent, 
Does scripture talk about that? Well, it certainly does because it tells us that we have to have an attitude of submission because it's reflecting who God is through that submission. And then you tie that to your understanding of the submissiveness of Christ to the Father and the need for his uh, dying on the cross for our salvation. And uh, you look at all those kinds of things with the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we see submission as a, a huge part of our identity. And, and that starting point for learning that and teaching that is the child-parent relationship. And then you see the husband-wife relationship, and that's supposed to be reflective. And then you see in Scripture things about as workers and employees, um, that's an opportunity to reflect who God is. So there's really n not much in Scripture that you don't have related to identity. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. And uh, once again, I feel like I'm going to walk out of our conversation this morning and suddenly just... Uh, see all the different ways I can view all of creation through the lens of identity. And I'm glad you even brought up the idea of relationships within one another and how once again the, the parent-child relationship, the husband-wife, the Christian-to-Christian relationship, the even uh, how Jesus reset the, the, the Christian and enemy relationship, right? Exactly. You, know, I, you know, you heard eye for exactly. an eye, but I say, you know, we recognize there's a paradigm shift when your identity shifts redemptively towards the image of Christ. And now, uh, Tom, we may have to pick this up in a, in a future episode. Time is flying by. We have only a few minutes left here. So uh, I guess very briefly, I just want to um, maybe tie this all together and bring it back to Peoria Christian School specifically, because I think Christian education itself uh, is its, its own identity. There is a reason why we believe Christian education is so important, especially on the issue of identity. So, Tom, I want to give you uh, a few minutes here to just really hone in on why PCS is so valuable and important on the issue of identity. Well, first off, as you remember from the last time, um, I have to say it again, early, early, early. Um, the earlier that you can get your child involved in an understanding of who they are in community, uh, the better it's going to be both for the child now and for the child in the future. And so uh, early, early, early. Um, as I think about what Romans has to say about identity in the passage that I mentioned to you, it starts off with a statement about executive self. And that executive self that we talked about just briefly, we get to decide who's going to call the shots. And part of that is me calling the shots, but then as a Christian, I realize that I have to submit that to God. So it starts with me calling the shots and yielding that to God. And if you look at Romans eleven thirty six, you see a couple of prepositions there where it says, all things were created by him, for him, and through him. And so there you see he is the source, he is the sustainer, and he's the rightful end. And so with that as a starting point, then you get into Romans 12, 1 and 2, which says, remember, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves. And so you know all of that passage, this submission. So you see in that passage, submission, humility, and gratitude, all in that very early Romans 12 passage. And so that walks us through the fact that you can't wait until they're teenagers to start that. You've got to start early, early, early. And so plugging elementary education, being a high school teacher, it's why it's needed. If you don't start early, you're going to miss an opportunity that may never, will never be reclaimed. And uh, you need all of the allies that you can get because God created us that way. Spiritual gifts. You don't know anybody that has all the spiritual gifts, Justin. Except myself, Tom, obviously. <laughs> no, you are absolutely right. And so we recognize that the way God created us as a community of Christ is that we have to have essentially one another. And so within the context of 
education, and we talked about, remember, the time element of education, realizing that every single week we have these students uh, for seven, eight hours and constant interaction about the joys of life, the difficulties of life, the problems of life, and all working through a biblical paradigm. And so when I think about that, I'm not willing to give that up. I wasn't willing with my own children, and I'm my grandchildren were not willing to give that up to anybody that's not going to teach them about the reality of identity as God has designed it. Well said. Well said. I think it's fair to say uh, that we need an, another episode on this in the future. I, I can tell you just from, um, from knowing Tom and from our own research together, we just scratched the very tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to dive in onto this issue. But unfortunately, we'll have to save that for another time because I th- despite how much people would love to talk, uh, hear us talk <laughs> for hours on end, Tom, I think we'll spare uh, the listener this time and show a little mercy uh, on them there. And, and with that, I think we can all agree that the, the, the culture has an identity crisis, uh, that the culture uh, is, is very confused on who they are, that the culture is sending messages that don't begin with, in the beginning, God, but truly do say, in the beginning, you. And that just aligns so closely with uh, what the adversary uh, tempted Eve with. And um, I, I hope you care about the identity, not only of yourself and of your fellow Christians, but of your children. And that's the beauty of what Christian education is all about, that uh, your student can learn about who they are from a biblical worldview, you can learn who they are in Christ in a, an environment of Christian education. There is no better place to learn who you are than at Peoria Christian School. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so happy with where we have gone so far. Now our fourth episode of Anchored, and I cannot wait to see where God will take us in the future. We have many great things planned, and I know you'll want to be with us every step of the way. So thank you so much again for joining us, and I can't wait to spend some more time with you next time on Anchored.